What's up, Connection Podcast Network listeners? Welcome back inside the Wrestling Warzone, a Modern Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as ever is my partner, Chad. Chad, how are you? Doing good. Pux Campbell, reporting for duty. Got the, uh, <laughs> yes. Got the pants going. On the ice. Mr. Ice. Uh, I mean, baseball team sucks, so got to pivot. Got to pivot quick. I, I don't know what it says about me. Oh, they just scored, too. Beautiful synergy. It was the Blackhawks. Um, but uh, I, I don't know what it says about me that, like, I, I made a I made a real good faith effort to try to follow the NFL more this year and just have not connected. And uh, I'm also struggling with basketball. So it's like mm-hmm. the two most trendy sports in North America I'm, I'm pretty out on. But uh, big, big, big on hockey all of a sudden. So I don't know. Contrary Maybe this week, in the N- this week in the NHL with uh, Chad and Winston coming soon. <laughs> oh, boy. Good Lord. <laughs> that's, that's horrifying to think about. But. <laughs> okay. We can find this someone is, better. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's been, it's been fun to follow the league. So we'll see how, how long that wave lasts. But I'm in it right now. Uh, well, I mean, I, hockey to me is one of those things where I'll, you know, I like going live. I'll throw the game yeah. on every now and then on the background. Um, I just, it's like college football for me where I don't have so much mind space to really get into, you know? So I just, I like it, but I can't like start heavy into it for whatever reason. Yeah. I tell you what I've liked so far is I feel like there's a lot of teams, like even the teams that are bad and maybe it's just because I'm not accustomed to it, but even the teams that are like, quote unquote, supposed to be bad, I feel like are fun and like scoring goals. And stuff, and that's really been my issue with the NFL this year. Like, I mean, the Falcons—they yeah. have, have had a lot of bad fun, games. Yeah. But besides the Chiefs and the Bills, like, I don't want to watch any of these teams. They're good. Like, the Cowboys are what five and two. I don't want to watch them. Like, right. count me out. So, it's just been difficult to kind of sink my teeth into the games. And when they're bad, they're real bad. Like these. Well, I mean, the Broncos, but I mean, their, their games have been just unwatchable. Yeah. I'm curious how much the uh, lesson to preseason is playing a role. And injuries have just killed the football completely. Like, yeah. In- injuries hurt baseball, too, quite a bit, actually. I feel like that's yep. an under discussed topic. Um, like, just how thin rosters get quickly in baseball because the rosters are so damn big. So you lose like two or three guys. Like, you're down to like the 30th best guy in your organization quickly, you know, playing games, but um, especially with pitching too. But in the NFL, yeah, the, to me, the two biggest things that make it unwatchable are the injuries to the top stars that happen constantly. And it's weeks at a time, weeks and weeks at a time. Like, can you even think of how many games you've seen Christian McCaffrey play like, like the last few years? Like it's, yeah. it's barely any, you know, it's bad. he's supposed to be one of the most dynamic players in football. And it's like, you barely, ever see him on the field and then quarterback it's such a quarterback dependent league that if you're you know quarterback poor just it's almost impossible to to be any to be good enough at the level unless you have an elite defense right it's like almost impossible to be at that level i think what's happening though is that the great quarterbacks have become so few and far between even more than it was that it's just all these other games now are just a kind of a slog it's like outside of allen and mahomes is there another great quarterback? Mm, yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked at 
No, like I'm L- you. Lamar. Lamar's. He's been all right. No, he's okay. been fun, but he's not like. He's not. I mean, they're three and three. A lot of that's on their defense. Yeah. I guess Hurts has been really fun, but again, like those guys aren't. It's like it was when you had like the six or seven great quarterbacks. Like you had Brady, Rodgers, Manning, um, Breeze. You know, it's like you just had mm-hmm. even Ryan. You know, for a while was was borderline great. Like so, you had like you had at least like maybe seven or eight at that level, and now it's like legit two because Brady is washed. That's clear. Oh. He's completely Rogers is Rogers is washed. Yeah, he's he's cooked. So it's like, what's left? So Wilson is obviously cooked. You know, he was great not that long ago. Oh god, right. So I mean, who is there? Carr. I mean, and even Herbert's been like a big disappointment. He hasn't. Been yeah, I mean, I guess you thought maybe some of these guys would step up and develop like Lawrence, right. but he's been still yeah. up and down. So I mean, they had freaking Mac Jones is like the on the top eight 100 list last year and he's already benched he's garbage so it's like time. yeah and he's not any better so then then it's what Tua. i mean all right i guess i don't know burrow i guess burrow is really good but yeah burrow was that's who he's he, probably the third i would best put right him now. as number three yeah there you go and, and, and i mean depending on where you have hurts that's that's three in the afc and lamar in the afc i guess so you got four so what's the nfc got i mean Unless Dak gets it back together. NFC is a mess. I don't know who's coming out of that. I mean, freaking Cousins may be the best quarterback right now. I mean, right? I don't know. Him and Hunt. Yeah, maybe. Kyler's been disappointing. He's, like, completely fallen off. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so this is depressing. You hadn't hadn't, uh, prepped (laughs) me up. I thought you might prop me up. No, I mean, it's – I mean, I still love it, and it's like – the Jets are finally doing well, so I'm all in. But injuries are brutal. Like just this game alone, like it's like you can't even be excited. <laughs> it's like five and two, they're running hot, and they have this exciting rookie running back that's been like amazing, and he's fucking done for the year. Mm-hmm. Best lineman done for the year. It's it's like just every game you're losing stars on every team. Yeah, it's um. So. All right. All right. Well, speaking of stars, <laughs> they're littering the, the landscape of WCW here on November 11th, 1996, Chad. Uh, where are we at for Nitro? At the Bayfront Center in St. Pete. Uh, do you know what pay-per-view occurred in this arena? Bayfront Center. Oh, God, that sounds so familiar. It's one um, of these weird ones I just know. Is it a paper? It's a pay-per-view, right? Not a class. Yeah, pay-per-view. Is it before this or after this point? Before. Um, Bayfront. I think there's been a couple, but there's one I know right off of him. Super Brawl one. Correct. Good job. Good job by you. Yep. Super Take Brawl that right, Everett. <laughs> so they're at uh at the Bayfront Center, Super Brawl one, home of Super Brawl one. Have the uh, uh same intro, so no new news there. Tony and Larry are at ringside this week. Uh, remember, they were mm-hmm. in the booth last week because Bischoff wasn't there. Very nice floral shirt for Larry that gets uh, some commentary later on we'll talk about. Uh, Tony says they hadn't seen Sting as of yet tonight. Uh, Larry lets us know they searched the rafters. Security's looked all over uh, and uh, not there. And then in the background... And I, and I had no memory of this. You can see, like, somebody holding a manila package. It mm-hmm. looks like, uh, you know, like somebody's getting subpoenaed. 
but he's shaking it and yelling at Tony, and Tony kind of gives him a sarcastic look and kind of looks at the camera like, you see this dude? And then security does, like, a legit good job of acting like it's a shoot, like, right. getting over there, like, Dillinger's on top of it, and the security's pushing him away and all that. And I was like, oh, what is this? This is odd. And it turns out to be something we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But um, it was interesting. Yeah, they did a good uh, job with it. Yeah, yeah. It actually, I mean, it worked me. So there was that. And I've seen this before, but didn't remember that at all. Uh, then they shift to Hogan Piper. We get the match of the decade talk starting up all already. Uh, Larry Champ from the crowd. I noticed we hadn't really heard that much so this seems like the first of what will become a fixture of when nitro starts you'll hear the larry chan I'm, I'm interested we probably need to track when he does the little hand gesture like wave to him cursing yeah, or whatever you call it like <laughs> the royal hand gesture yeah yeah they're like what's the first time he busts <laughs> that out uh, he did do it here um, and then uh, Larry says if they do do Hogan versus Piper, he'll be ringside for that one if it mm-hmm. gets signed. Uh, so any, anything to this opening? Pretty. No, straightforward. it was pretty straightforward. Um, you know, Sting is becoming more of a thing in the arena now, right? Mm-hmm. Before I was like, oh, what's Sting doing now? It's like, is he in the rafters has become the talking point more. So he's that's evolving a bit. And yeah, this, the Hogan Piper thing is still like the main focal point right now. Okay. So our opening match is Jeff Jarrett versus Chris Benoit. Uh, we see a clip from the promo last week uh, where, you know, both uh, Mongo and Benoit the was. Full, the full yeah, they, yeah, they show the whole thing pretty much because they even show like when Jarrett calls out Sting. I was, I was mm-hmm. wondering why when they showed this, like, oh, why are they showing the Sting piece of this, like heading into this match? But right. I mean, it made sense at the end. Uh, before the match starts, we get like an insert promo with Kevin Sullivan um, while Jarrett's doing his entrance. Um, so uh, it's Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart says one phone call from woman could have stopped all of this. And then Sullivan very like quietly and solemnly talks about how Ben Law's been hearing a lot of sweet nothings in his ear. And he, he heard that at one time and. They'll be heard once again at Baltimore <laughs> on November 23rd. So Baltimore, they're, they're, baby. They're pushing it hard. But I will say this, and I, I put this together. I didn't put this together when we talked about it last week. But for Benoit and Sullivan pushing this Baltimore house show does make a bit of sense, I think, because that's where the Great American Bash yes. match was. So yep. they had this, like, wild, crazy match. They're going back to it. I, all right, like I was like, all right, I can kind of accept it. Still a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what did you think about this promo? Because I will say, like Meltzer said, like he was speaking too much in code. Um, I mean, I thought it, it feels like obvious. it. I thought it was pretty obvious, but I don't know. I guess it depends if you know that they're married. Um, I mean, in hindsight, looking back at it now, it's obvious what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, like I'm picturing myself as a 15 year old kid that. Because woman was never really tied with Sullivan on TV. I mean, she was with Flair. So unless you know they're married or picked up on it, I, I could see why it'd be very kind of random. It's like, all right. So to me, it's almost, yeah. I, I guess you could piece together the context clues together. But mm-hmm. to me, I'd be like, well, why do I care about this? Like Sullivan has never been someone to be, have any sympathy for. Um, he's talking about. 
Benoit woman's love life. I don't know. It just, it, just, <laughs> it just seems like it's out of nowhere. Like, because even their feud earlier in the year wasn't built around this, really. It was built around Horseman versus Dungeon of Doom. Right. Woman yeah. wasn't really a focal point about it. So now it's on Jimmy Hardy saying woman could make a phone call and stop the feud. Like, it just, I don't know. It honestly, it feels like the worst of the worst of like a ECW angle where oh, okay. sometimes they, I think it's a Heyman thing or, or it's a Mick Foley thing too. I think he does this sometimes when he gets his own stories. Like they assume you kind of know what's going on yeah. without really, so I know the sledgehammer effect can be annoying too, but I think there's a middle ground for the best stories. And this type of thing is like almost too subtle and weird. Like, like okay, like this. I just I've picked up a lot of these on ECW watching ECW for the Extreme Through Dance podcast, where it's similar. It's like okay, we didn't really hear about this, and now all of a sudden, like so and so is possessed by Raven. I don't know. Like it's like <laughs> like without really explaining why, you know. Um, yeah. So it kind of felt like that to me. It's just like all right, if I'm a kid watching this, I'm like I don't know what the hell these guys are talking. Yeah, about. yeah. Get on board even an that. adult, but if you didn't even, know they're yeah, married. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you kind of have to be calling the hotline or be right. in a newsletter or yeah. online or something. Yeah. Uh, so we get to the match. Jimmy Jet is the ref. He's back. So kudos. Uh, Jarrett gets an arm drag and starts strutting. Uh, Benoit has some good sequences, and then Jarrett responds by like walking over him as we had to break. So Jarrett's really working a lot more heelish in this mm-hmm. match. Um. I, d- I noticed we got a little ad for World War Three. They were definitely promoting Sting being in the Battle Royal. So, yeah. Man. wonder how, how far ago they made that ad because... Yeah. <laughs> I would think that probably wasn't anything recent. No. Uh, back from break, the match really kind of breaks down. I thought there was some great like back-and-forth shots between both of them. Uh, Jarrett takes over, chokes Benoit on the second rope. He, uh, he gets the knees in and struts some more. He's getting booed pretty loudly from the fans. Benoit fires back with some chops and clothesline. Tony lets us know you'll only see this action on Nitro. Only. Uh, another breakdown with more punches. Jarrett gets a clothesline. He tries to uh, set up the figure four, but misses an elbow drop to the legs. Front suplex over the ropes for Benoit. Jarrett responds to that a moment later by suplex and Benoit to the floor, does another strut, uh, and then in a cool moment, Sting walks down, comes to the ring, grabs Jarrett by the hair, and gives him the scorpion death drop, which we had not seen too much up to yep. this point, but now looks like it's kind of Sting's new finisher, knockout blow, whatever. Uh, that throws off Henry Godwin. Yeah, doing the old slot, slot drop. drop. Um so the match is thrown out. The match we saw, I actually really liked. Like, uh, it was intense. It broke down. The uh, hatred felt palpable. And um, I thought it was an enjoyable match with a really, really fun finish, a really cool moment. So I went two and three quarters. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, it was definitely felt like a real fight. Like, there was a lot of scrapping and uh, hard strikes, there was a lot of anger for a TV opener. Um, rolling around, throwing punches, and just very aggressive. I mean, Benoit's always aggressive, but Jarrett's really been working aggressively as well since arriving here. You can tell he's really come in with a chip on his shoulder, Jarrett. Like, he really mm-hmm. seems to want to make this run work and prove something um, overall. And that, that's come across. The suplex on the floor by Jarrett was really good. And then, yeah, the, the sting attack. I mean, it's why is it going after Jarrett? Maybe we'll find out. Maybe not. 
Um, but I think we needed something from Sting beyond just being missing now. Like it's now been how long? Almost two months, right? Since yeah, they told like overall. this. They yeah, they said like this is the first time. Tony says it's the first time he's been in the ring since September sixteenth. So right. almost two full months. And that was his promo. Um, yeah, that was his promo the night after, or, right? So we yeah. haven't really heard him talk. We haven't seen him do anything since then. That that's a while. Like with this much TV, we've had a pay per view and all these weeks of Nitro. So yeah, I think it was time been hanging out. Um, so why not this? Like this worked well. I thought the match was good. The strikes are vicious. Um, Jarrett continues to improve. Offense was crisp in it, and the moment with Sting made sense. I like doing it out, out of the gate too, like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. We know Raw's up against hour one now, right? So yep. I'll be curious if we see a lot less mailing in of this first hour of Nitro. Not that it's ever really mailed in, but we well, he's in with a lot of you know American like Bubba yeah, Duggan we, matches. We had not seen uh, Duggan yet. Yeah. Since uh, Raw went to eight fifty or seven fifty seven, so. Uh, so I ended up going two and a half on the match. It was it was good. Okay. After the match, uh, Sting kind of stares at Benoit and then just leaves. And then we get Woman telling Benoit like we don't know who like where that guy stands talking about Sting, but we know Jared is WCW and he should pick him up. Benoit says he doesn't give a damn about Jared. Right. And yeah, that was a good kinda, touch too. Yeah. yeah, a woman kind of pleads with him, and Benoit ends up, like, kind of aggressively helping him up, uh, and they're sort of bitching at each other as we go to break, so it was cool. I thought this was a cool angle, like, all around, actually. I thought this was well done and weaving a couple of different things together. Yeah, and it's the horsemen always, I feel like, got get overlooked historically with within the NWO feud. Um like if Flair was involved a lot more than I think either of us remembered, like with Hogan <laughs> during those early days of the NWO. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see the spot they're in because they're still kind of feuding with Sullivan in the dungeon. And now Flair's hurt and they're kind of dealing with Jarrett as the in, as the out. Now the NWO is involved as well. So it's like, I think the horsemen are actually in a very interesting place because Arn seems to be hurt. Flair's hurt. Jarrett's trying to get in. Like, what is their position within this world right now? So it's, it's an interesting spot for them. Yep. Uh, uh, we come back from break and the guy just basically hops the railing and uh, is frantically trying to give Tony and Larry this envelope. Security's pretty slow to the punch here and they finally accost him and take him away. But Dillinger does hand the uh, envelope to Tony. Uh, we learned this individual's name's Ken McDade, I think is what they say his name is. Uh, he says, take a look at this tape. It played in Europe in 1992 and was a hit. So there you go. Um, then we go to a package on Flair. Uh, this is Dr. Jim Andrews from Hill South. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen him yet, have we, on anything? I don't recall seeing uh, him, he, Not on Nitro. He he was on WF TV prior to ours. He... When Diesel hurt his elbow at 95, I know they <laughs> went to him. Um, I think Sean made us later with a knee. I think yeah, Sean. I know it was the different guy with the concussion stuff. So. Yeah. Diesel right, so. definitely went to him at 95. I know that 100%. <laughs> there we go. So uh, we see him talking to Flair. Uh, you know, we hear that, like, the hands of the future Ric Flair's career lie in Dr. Andrews's hands. Andrews lets us know that Flair had a complete tear of the rotator cuff. It takes four months to heal. 
Uh, now, Rick, due to his uh, lifetime weightlifting regimen, had a rotator cuff that was twice as thick as the average person. Mm. Uh, and then he lets us know he can return to wrestling at an appropriate time. And he legit says wrestling with an R instead of wrestling. So uh, what do you think about this? I mean, this felt like a pretty basic, I guess, like rehab type package. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder that Flair's not done. You know, because I think for a minute there, they made it like he may be gone forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this seems like pretty positive news, actually. Like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, old thick cuff here. Is it going to be able to come back quickly? <laughs> uh, not an issue. I, to me, I noticed the music. It sounded like. Yeah, music was weird. It was like a office job training video song in the background yeah, or something. It's very yeah. odd. Like, That's when so I worked good. at Stop a Shop and they had the training videos and not a work with the beat cutter like that. that's what it sounded like do, 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 do. Yes. it was yeah. very uh, interesting music definitely a very 90s inspirational video it, it did have sort of like hr sexual harassment if yeah. you see something say something type yep. of uh exactly. to the music uh then we're back for the women's tournament another first round matchup malia hosaka versus zero nick patrick's the ref uh tony Mentions that Zero's wearing the Gaia Heavyweight Championship belt. She uh, won in Singapore. Now, I'll, I'll say, like, commentary was really good tonight. Uh, this mm-hmm. is bad Larry. Larry just cannot believe that oh, uh, yeah. Zero Chagusa Nagoya is a lady. Because he says, wait yes. a minute, that's a lady. And then he tells Tony, better start lifting the weights if that's a lady. Uh, Hosaka starts out throwing multiple drop kicks to no effect. Zero forearms are down, hits a kick, suplex from zero, leg drop from zero. Uh, Tony mentions like once Patrick in there, Larry kind of defends him by saying he's the senior referee. Sunset flip is failed by Osaka. She's getting like hardly no offense in. Mm-hmm. She does get a little bit of a of a flying forearm, but Zero punches her in the throat, short arm clothesline that Zero pulls her up on the pin temp, and then she hits uh, either the Splash Mountain or the Razor's Edge, whatever you want to call it, to get the win. I mean, this was a complete squash. Uh, not exactly been the most exhilarating tournament overall. It's it's <laughs> it's very weird to see Chagusa Nagoya in this type of match. Like, I, I don't know. It's just bizarre. I want to have star. I wonder if the tournament in Thailand was any more exciting than this one. That, uh, Singapore. 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 Uh, that's right. Yeah, Singapore. <laughs> Where uh, Zero won the, the guy championship. Yeah, I think that may be a Rio de Janeiro situation. Uh, yeah, yeah. I very much assumed so. Yeah. Uh, Tony also chastises Kenny McDade here. Uh, basically says, if you want to sit and wave, that's fine. You'll be on TV, but stick to the seats. Stop. You know, to be breaking in hand and envelopes, <laughs> whether it's footage from 1992 uh, or not. We don't we don't need you hopping over. Uh, get involved. Yeah, this is all Larry, his usual sexist nonsense. Patrick, you know, struggling through. And a squash. I mean, this is, Zero is completely dominant, being positioned as a top player. We saw that and talked about it last week. They seem to definitely be setting up, I think, her and Medusa for the final. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that's the way it goes. But that's definitely the way it's being propped up so far. So I gave it a star, but yeah, just, just a squash. Yeah, I did make a note of Tony mentioning that, like, don't hop the railing. I, I mean, I would I would say they actually probably did need to say that just because of how much yeah, crap's yeah. getting thrown into the ring that mm-hmm. you, you really have to kind of make sure, like, hey, <laughs> keep it under control. Well, and the whole promotion um, right now is built around invasion, invading yeah, right. invasion. It's like, so, 
yeah, I mean, you're yeah. inviting someone to just hop in the, the ring at any time. Right. Uh, then we get a return. <laughs> mean Gene. He's back. Uh, Tony called it an extended vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Gene is back. He's with Diamond Dallas Page. Diamond Dallas Page is wearing a pretty sweet shirt. It's got like a, mm-hmm. a bulldog or boxer on it. It looks pretty cool. Uh, Gene says it's obvious the NWO's court and Page. Page is like, what are you talking about? Uh, he says that everyone knows he was affiliated with Nash and Hall a while ago. Uh, Dallas says he doesn't need anyone helping him in the ring today. One mistake and bang, diamond cutter, and it's over. He says he managed Hall and tag with Nash, but that doesn't make them to have a position to come into his. And then the outsiders interrupt to a nice pop from the crowd. Uh, Paige says, you know, don't come in and interfere in my matches. Then uh, Hall gets on the microphone and says, hey, yo, Paige, forget about the past. Think about the present and future. Here's your chance to jump on board the Black and White Express. You can be NWO for life. Paige brings up that they got what seven guys now. Mm-hmm. If he if he joins the fray, that would make him number eight. Uh, this this gets Nash involved by saying you don't get it. We could have come earlier, but we didn't. And there's reasons. Wrestling is political as it gets, and it's no big secret that two doors down from you is your buddy Eric Bischoff. Paige says, you know, what are you saying? I didn't deserve everything I'm getting. You know, I was working in the power plant as hard as anybody. Nash lets him know they were just looking out for him. Then in a neat uh, tidbit, I don't know if this was off the cuff or what, but he says Hollywood jumped on board with them, and that took a lot of convincing. So yeah. really making them two feel like the catalyst of the whole NWO movement. Yes. Uh, and then Hall says, you know, they were looking out for him, and Nash says you're never going to get it, and that's kind of how the interview diffuses. So I, I thought this was a really cool promo. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a lot of good points back and forth, still left enough ambiguity on where things were headed. Uh, but you know, Paige didn't look dumb. The outsiders didn't look dumb. We didn't get anything conclusive, but it was satisfying nonetheless. So I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. Again, I, I did not remember the courting of Paige and this angle starting this early and it's a big come up because he's been a guy that's improved over over the past, you know, 12 months that we've been doing this show. But he hasn't really yeah. had much going on either through a lot of it. He's just a guy that wrestles matches every week for the most part uh, right. throughout this year for us. So this is like, OK, a pretty big escalation. Uh, I like that Paige just is like. He's very self-conscious about his role and like mm. about busting his ass. So I think that played nice where Nash, I don't think clearly didn't mean that he meant you're down the street from Bischoff. We got to be careful, like what we're doing here. Um, not that, oh, everyone thinks you didn't earn it, and you're just Bischoff's buddy. Like, but he took it that way because he's he's probably self-conscious about it, right? That right. people think that. So I think that was pretty good. Uh, I noted, I noticed too about the Hogan comment. I thought that was interesting because I feel like Larry specifically continues to push that Hogan and DiBiase are like the masterminds of the NWO, and or at least the financiers of it, and driving all the decisions. And I feel like, God, I feel like we've watched so much of this now, but was it really positioned to this point at all that Hall and Nash convinced Hogan or was it more implied that Hogan was in on it from the start and that he brought them here and all that? Like, wasn't yeah. that kind of the implication? I, I think this was like the most outright, you know, we had 
and to convince Hogan to jump right. on our side. So, yeah, it feels like, you know, even when Hogan turned, it kind of felt like he, he did that as, a, you know, his, his initiative. He saw where things were going and he jumped on board. But, this, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think for sure this episode of Nitro, the NWO, I mean, we talked about it, like where Hogan's kind of been running his own crew and the Outsiders and Six have been in a separate crew. And it's really, I think, fragmented more on this show than any other we've seen. Mm-hmm. Where there's like two distinct groups throughout this show. There's kind of the the click group, and then there's the Hogan group, and they don't interact with each other at all no. during the show. So. But they do it in an interesting way because it doesn't feel like it's they're at odds. It just feels like they're on. They've been tasked with separate missions as groups. So like right. and strengthen the group. You know, like Hall and Nash are kind of doing this. And Hogan and Giant DBS are kind of doing that, but it's all for the greater good. It's not like they're separate factions within. I mean, obviously that's to come, but for now it's it's very much a role in unison, just working separately. Yeah, it's something you have to notice. And um, I'll say like the way they come together the next week, a little bit of foreshadowing, but it's really cool. I I think they do a good job. So, all right, Uh, WCW Saturday Night. No matches announced. We just nope. get a list of a bunch of dudes. So Duggan, he is on Saturday night. Benoit, Hugh Morris, Malenko, Regal, and the amazing French Canadian. So not much to write home about on that nope. show. For a standard lineup there. Mm-hmm. Uh, next match, get a uh, uh, debut here. Sequipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, known mostly as Halloween. Uh, but Seco play in WCW. He's facing Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, so a lot's going on outside this ring. <laughs> so uh, we see Ultimo, and they and Tony actually calls him Ultimo. I don't know yes. if that was a goof or what, but probably uh, U- Ultimo's hanging out at ringside with all his belts and Sonny Ono. Seco play takes uh, Mysterio down right away with the top wrist lock. Larry is impressed by that. Ray breaks out of that, but gets shoulder blocked. Monkey flip from Ray. Ray then does a slingshot Rana, sending Seco play to the outside. A great toe play to the outside sends Seco play to the guardrail. That was hit with a lot of uh, force behind it. Mm-hmm. Ray calls for the Frankensteiner, but gets clothesline. Seco play then gets a sunset flip powerbomb from the apron to the floor in a crazy spot. Uh, at this point, we see Dean Malenko's out watching the match, and uh, Larry talks about how he's always scouting, you know, always uh, paying attention to what's going on. Missile drop kick gets two for Pay. Uh Ray is on the outside of the ring, but gets brought back in with a DDT from the middle turnbuckle. Then we come back to the entranceway, and Psychosis is now behind Dean mm-hmm. Malenko. So we have all these guys, all these cruiserweight guys out there. Uh, Tony says this is an illustration of how you should always uh, look behind you, not you know look ahead to the next guy. Gut wrench power bomb gets to sickle play, then locks in a chin lock, spinning kick from Rez. He breaks out of the chin lock, hits the Asay moonsault, uh, but gets caught into a tombstone that the crowd gasps at. That was a nasty looking spot. Sickle play goes to the top, but gets crotched. Then Ray climbs to the top, hits a front. Rana down to the floor and then sends him back inside and hits the Frankensteiner for the win. Uh, so really fun match. 
uh, very quickly out of the match, Malenko turns around. He kind of sees psychosis. Psychosis sort of shrugs at him, and then they both walk away. Uh, but as a match itself, I thought it was a very fun race showcase. I thought Pay hung with him, had some cool spots himself between the tombstone and uh, a couple of his uh, uh, tricky math submissions and wrist locks. He, he looked good. So uh, a very fun cruiser match. Like that there wasn't no NWO involvement, mm-hmm. like with all these cruiser guys out there. I think it'd have been very easy to kind of just throw six out there in the crowd right. to distract the crowd and, you know, have him looking on. But they showed some restraint in not doing that. And I was appreciative of it. So, you know, just a fun, good cruiser to match three stars. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, and, and Malenko and Sikosis fighting a World War Three. So, like, good setup for that, too, out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a good mix-up, too. Like, we've seen Dean Array a bunch of times, so I like that they're kind of giving us a different look with Psychosis. I think Cyclope is a great addition to the staff here, the Cruiserweight staff we have going on. We're building out. Uh, I thought he was absolutely on fire in this match. The middle rope dropkick was awesome. The middle rope DDT was great. Uh, it's the power bomb. Like, just gr- he was just dealing in this match. I thought he had his fastball completely the whole time. Uh, the, the top rope run to the floor by Ray was sick. Uh, I, I just really like this. I thought Cyclope... And Ray both really balled out and let it rip. They made a statement. They could have a good amount of time. Um, like you said, there was no bullshit. Even with the guys on ringside, didn't distract. They had a nice mix of power spots with Sequel Bay flinging Ray around, mixing with the aerial stuff. Um, and just a reminder what these guys can do when you really let them go. So I'm excited to see more Sequel Bay. I think he was a really good addition. He made a nice statement, and I went three and a quarter. All right. So good, good match there. Uh, coming back. Uh, from break, Tony talks about the website. We do have the address, www.wcwwrestling.com. I think that was actually their email, their website address pretty much till the end of time, I believe. But oh, yeah, definitely. There we go. Uh, he does say last week there was some vandalism that happened to the website. The tech team's working on it. <laughs> I didn't know if that was an NWO shot or like they had some legitimate problems. No, I think it was. I think the NWO took over the site. Or okay. Whatever. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. It was. But he it said was that you, can, you can visit the site for wrestler themes and news, and 100. Sure. That's what I was doing. Downloading themes and uh, pictures for sure from these sites. <laughs> uh, so the NWO propaganda comes out of the entranceway this time. They they've only been in the crowd so far, mm-hmm. and then six and the outsiders just kind of waltz out too. I I thought that was another kind of subtle bit that you wouldn't necessarily think of, but um, kind of makes sense with them not wrestling that they still come out of the entrance way when you know right. what's happening the next week. So, so we're seeing that a lot where it's mm-hmm. like, they're not just in the crowd, like they're infiltrated. Right. We know what's coming down the pike because the why. Uh, so, uh, NWO's in the house. Six has the cable ace award with him. <laughs> um, Hall says the outsiders in Hollywood are heading out that way because everyone knows they're the reason TNT is the hottest show on cable. Uh, they want to make it Monday Nitro. Uh, Nash takes a water. NWO um, Monday Nitro. Yeah, NWO Monday Nitro. Uh, oh, then really kicks <laughs> off what'll be, I don't know, a year and a half long angle here, <laughs> uh, where he says, Hey, look, it's the living legend. I thought you'd be bigger, <laughs> or I thought you'd be taller. And then Larry says, I thought you'd be bigger as a rebuttal to him. Uh, Hall tells him to shut his mouth or else he's going to make him come out of retirement. Larry calls him a punk, slams his headset down. 
Uh, Hall says Ted needs to get the ACE award ready for him. Nash then puts on a headset. Hall lets us know the website. Their website will go live tonight, and you can go check it out. Uh, then Nash asks Larry if he got a cup of soup with that outfit. <laughs> and this is one of the all-time, because Tony absolutely breaks. Yes, like yeah, that was great. Nash says that. It is... <laughs> A great reaction seeing Tony. I think it just it comes out of nowhere. Like that's <laughs> why he got up. It's like you, you get a couple soup with that shirt. It's just the way he says it. It's like the delivery is so good. It's the best. The couch. Uh, uh, Laugh too. And Nash calls him Couch Giovanni. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Oh, uh, they're they're on fire in this segment. Uh, Nash talks about at War Games they won, so they have some stipulations. You know, they're they're doing a little segment on Saturday. Tony apparently told the audience last Saturday to go get snacks during their segment. They didn't find that very funny. Uh, but in a couple of weeks, they're getting their full production crew together. And Monday Nitro is going to become NWO Nitro. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, sell the houses, boys. Get you a nice double wide. <laughs> uh, the takeover is almost complete. And join us for NWO Nitro. And then uh, once again, Hall says, check out Saturday, the Cable Ace Awards. <laughs> and uh, as they leave, Larry is just completely frustrated. And as a parting shot, Hall throws his toothpick. At <laughs> yeah, that's great. Now. He so, like, comes back around the yeah. post and flicks it at him. <laughs> I mean, this, I thought this was just on fire. Like, yeah. we hadn't seen, uh, I don't feel like we'd seen, like, the Outsiders kind of like this in a while. Right. Like, they kind of did a little bit of this leading up to Bash at right. the Beach. but Yeah, just um, being, like, funny bullies. Like Yeah, yeah. Never, yeah. This, was, this was a nice return to form. Mm-hmm. And Larry was a funny full form. And uh, I thought this was great. I mean, they kind of got an important point across, too, that at some point, which was the plan. Like, we'll yes. see when they completely depart from that. But... You know, this was setting up what was going to be the plan, where there was an hour that would have been uh, NWO Nitro. So, and then eventually, wasn't that what led to Thunder down the road? Like, weren't they planning on doing an out? Like, NWO was going to take Nitro, and Thunder would be WCW. I yeah, think well, yeah, too. We'll have to follow the observers for that because I know there's a lot going on where they have the takeover, and then there's that mm-hmm. one show that's like in Macon or whatever, where they completely take the show over and right do whatever so we'll have to track that but yeah what'd you think of this whole yeah it was awesome uh one other great line the hall got he goes i used to watch you i've been watching you since i was a kid which is a great yeah. line too yeah um to make larry seem even older but the cup of soup was fantastic um tony just completely loses it and starts laughing um which just added to like larry's anger <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that even tony's laughing at his expense <laughs> that line um yeah no it was just really good of course, WCW continues to be the only people in the world obsessed with the Cable Ace Awards. I don't think I've ever heard about them otherwise, but no. they're all in on these Cable Ace Awards. Uh, so they're headed there. So we'll, we'll hear more about it, I'm sure. I I wonder, I don't, I don't know, like, it'd be nice if we get a segment on the next Nitro because they have promoted that. Like, I remember the Outsiders on spring break the next year, but yeah, I don't I think we don't do remember. get, I don't know if we get footage, but I, I do know we, I, I th- they do talk about it. Um, and again we're not watching saturday night and stuff was happening on saturday night so there might have been a chance to show footage on that or something yeah maybe that's true the um 
Hall throwing the toothpick from behind the post was awesome too. Like it's just the way he threw out him, flicked it at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Count Giovanni made me laugh. Just yeah, it was just really good. But Nash, it, that promo is worth seeking out if you haven't seen it from the Nitro because him, the way he says "cup of soup" is just so good. Yeah. You got a cup of soup in that shirt. <laughs> it's, it's a good one. Uh, come back to the pyro for our. This is an interesting little moment where Tony, it sounds like he's going to say something. You kind of hear the first verse and mm-hmm. um, and then he gets cut off. Eric lets us know they, they bailed. <laughs> he's right. like, they bailed. And he says they were shook up over the interruption. So who knows? Uh, go straight to our next matchup. It's Scott Flash Norton versus Lex Luger. Uh, pretty big match. Tanae lets us know that Norton won the NWJ, uh, NW, NJPW Tag League Tournament in Japan. Uh, Bobby says that uh, Luger's had a change in attitude. He's totally concerned with Sting, kind of obsessed with him, but he does want to see if uh, Luger can rack Norton here tonight. Uh, Eric lets us know he don't know what Jared did to, <laughs> did to Sting that uh, justified what Sting did to him. Bobby says, open your eyes. Sting said he's a free agent but he's a member of the nwo Eric says you don't know that but you know they're bickering back and forth over that uh then we get now you know i defended the baltimore crap <laughs> on the first match now we get a promo by horn uh says he didn't think luger had any rage in him but, but he found that out at havoc that he does and they're fighting at baltimore too he's going to use that rage against him uh did you make any big notes on this pretty standard promo yeah. i thought from Horn. They're, are they fighting at World War Three as well, or just Baltimore? I'm so I think confused. Just Baltimore, because they Baltimore. keep plugging both of these freaking shows that I can't keep track of what's what. Yeah. Like they really hadn't announced much on World War Three except the Battle Royal, Psychosis, and Malenko, and then later on we get the Nasties versus the Outsiders. But I don't even think like at this point in the show they'd actually announce that match for the pay per view. So. Right. Yeah, the, the, I thought this was weird. Like, this whole promo just wasn't needed. Uh, so, Nor- Norton has the early advantage with some power moves. Crowd stands as we see Sting's up in the rafters. Uh, and th- and this really is, you know, we get a close-up on Sting. This is the Sting we know. Like, his mm-hmm. face paint now looks like what it is with the eyeshadow. Yep. And he's wearing the scorpion shirt. Like... Happened fast, this, yeah. Yeah, this is really no FX studio shirt or whatever. He's wearing the gloves, too. So like, And Bischoff is rattled by the look. He's like, yeah. kind of shook by it. Yeah, he actually says, this is not the sting we want. Right. So that was... So there we go. Uh, Luger comes back with a clothesline. Norton over the top rope to the floor. Norton pulls Luger to the outside, gives him some big chops, but he gets sent into the post. Uh, Luger misses a charge going for a clothesline on the outside and hits the post arm first. Uh, nice looking shoulder block by Norton as we head to break. During the break, we get the NWO shirt ad. Uh, back from the break, Norton's working over Luger's arm. Uh, Tanae says he was able to gain the advantage due to the power edge he has. Uh, he keeps elbowing and cranking the arm. Eric welcomes back Mean Gene, says he'll interview the winner right after this match. Some more chops from Norton. Norton misses a charge in the corner. Luger gets a back suplex, but is still selling the damage from the arm. He doesn't get much height on it. Uh, Eric lets us know they're going to try to show the tape that was handed to Tony if it's suitable for TV. Luger flies away. It's the flying forearm. Norton actually comes back, kind of weathers the storm, climbs to the top rope, wipes out on a dive. 
Uh, and then Luger calls for the rack. He gets that. Crowd goes nuts along with the commentary team as Luger picks up the win. Eric says Luger's unstoppable. Uh, you know, we we kind of talked about like the direction of Luger. It, it's it's been interesting. I thought this was kind of slowly but surely maybe pointing him in a little bit more direction. A decent, uh, actually pretty good power match in my opinion. Uh, Norton, I thought, looked good when he started working over the arm. Uh, had a couple of uh, nice power spots. And then it's always nice seeing Luger rack somebody with size. So I went two and three quarters. I thought this was fine. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we hadn't seen Norton in a while, had we? <clears throat> I feel like it's the first time in a bit. Uh, yeah, I don't He's know. popped I'll up for us. Continuing the Luger, fighting the big man trend. It's obviously been a story we've been doing for a while. Um, you know, Bischoff works to remind us that the World War III Battle Royal winner gets the world title shot, and he's pondering, will Sting be part of that? Oh, he also gets the official welcome back of Gene. <laughs> so they missed him. So uh, I know we've been tracking that. I guess he was gone longer than I would have expected. I mean, that's, yeah, I feel like it's been months. a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's here to the end now. So we're not getting rid of him. Uh, that's for sure. The, the vetting the mystery tape, like we talked about. So it's really. The first match out of the second hour usually consists of Bischoff kind of catching us up on everything, and that's pretty much what happens here. Um, I thought the match had, was a great finish. It had a great finish. I thought the match itself was kind of sluggish. Um, Luger continues to impress with the racks and his power offense. I thought Norton kind of snoozed through his offense a bit, um, but the end goal was was met. I mean, Luger racked another big dude and picks up the win. So I went two and a quarter. It was all right. I found it a little boring. Uh, 9-16 was the last Nitro. All right, so it's been a, yeah, it's a couple months. months. Commentary resets thing. They set up the uh, Battle Royal. Tanae lets us know that he thinks Luger's a strong favorite to win. Bobby has a, a crazy pick where he picks Dean Malenko. <laughs> he says guys that <laughs> size do well in those type of matches. So that's a... Uh, he must have been hitting the casino and looking at those <laughs> plus odds Dino Machino had and went for that. Uh, and Bischoff says Sting could take it all if he's in the match. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, then we get some clips from earlier uh, with the whole Sting uh, giving the Scorpion Death Drop to Jarrett. That leads us into the interview with Lex Luger that Gene conducts. Luger says he doesn't have any answers for what happened earlier. A lot of people want Sting. He's in the buildings. He's the Phantom of the Opera. But none of his calls are answered. He's ignoring Luger. Uh, Luger says he's racked the biggest and baddest WCW has to offer. This isn't about individual accomplishments. More is at stake. This is the darkest hour. And Luger says he's treading water trying to carry the WCW banner. It's too much weight. And uh, he uh, realizes that he was wrong and says we're sorry and we want you back, Sting. So, so a pretty big plea here for Luger to uh, try to get Sting back in the fold. And I thought this was a pretty good promo overall. Yeah, it was strong. Um, and I think it was good. We talked about last week how it feels silly that Luger is not being positioned as like the top dog. But now we're, yeah. we're kind of getting some reasoning, at least like he's a little preoccupied with Sting. He's trying to make amends and bring Sting back. So while he's distracted with Sting, you can believably conclude that, OK, maybe he's not. We already saw Savage come in distracted to Hogan, right? And it didn't work. So maybe if, you know, Luger right now is so, yes, he's aggressive in the ring and racking big dudes, but he's also got this thing stuff going on. So maybe he's just not really prepared yet to be the guy. So at least we're starting to get a little rationale mm-hmm. behind why this dominant wrestler who's a top superstar isn't being positioned that way. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, 
Eric says he's got word from the truck. The Piper tape's quite interesting, and they're going to try to show it. Uh, he says that uh, he had a conversation with Piper, a very brief conversation with Piper an hour and 20 minutes ago. Then we get the call in from Lee Marshall. He's in Florence, South Carolina this week at a nitro party. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the usual shield job from Lee does at the end say he's judging a Bobby Heenan lookalike contest. So uh, no weasel commentary. I, I guess that's a jab at Heenan saying the lookalike contest at the end, but it was pretty lame. He also, uh, so he also noted that uh, everyone at the Nitro party he was at had custom Nitro jackets. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I don't know what those look like. <laughs> uh, Bobby lets us know we can get a date with Aunt B tonight. So <laughs> I, uh, I guess a uh, Andy Griffith reference by yes. Bobby there. Yep. Uh, next matchup, amazing French Canadians versus Harlem Heat. As uh, the French Canadians come out, we see Colonel Robert Parker behind them. So mm-hmm. uh, that was strange. And then we learn that uh, that was because they show a clip from Saturday night where they cut all ties with Colonel Parker. We see a clip of the breakup. So uh, there we go. Finally uh, done. Yeah, finally done with that, which was good. Uh, Eric mentions during all this that uh, he couldn't meet with Piper in Toronto because of a schedule conflict. He's going to try to meet with him tomorrow in, in Los Angeles with his uh, good friend, Mitch Ackman. So there you go. Sherry's out with Harlem Heat. The uh, French Canadians attack Harlem Heat while they pose for their entrance. They kind of beat them down, but then get sent into each other. Harlem Heat then comes back on the double team, scissor kick from Booker. Uh, then we cut to the back where the nasty boys are trying to get into the building. Security's not letting them in. They they want to uh, they want to speak to Doug Dillinger. <laughs> They're like, "Where's Doug? <laughs> Where's Eric, Donuts?" Yeah, Eric says, "What the heck do they want?" Uh, Doug Dillinger comes on the scene. He says, "You know, you're not coming in, boys." Uh, then we go to a split screen because the end of the match is actually happening. Uh, Sherry's in the ring and is beating up Jock. Sherry's kind of screaming on the inside as all four guys are fighting on the outside, but the split screen's so small, you can't really see much of what's going on. Uh, eventually, Parker rolls in. Sherry takes a swing at him. And the match kind of gets thrown out. Then, while all that's going on, in the back, you see the Nasties are talking to somebody. And again, it took me a minute to see who this was, but uh, it turns out to be Brother Brudeye making his return. He's yep. sort of hanging out uh, with the Nasty Boys. So so all this, this this felt a lot of stuff kind of cobbled together in a five-minute package. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the match itself, I went three-fourths of a star. I don't know. I mean, there was nothing to it. Yeah, the match was nothing. It just ends abruptly. Sherry's skipping at Parker. We barely saw it. Just a star. Um, today yells, what's he doing here when we see Booty Man? So, um, you know, I guess we'll see if there's some tie-in between these former Hogan cronies that kind of got kicked yeah. out of her by the NWO. Are they banding together? We'll see. Um, it was weird when they're brawling outside and Sherry's in the ring, Parker's in the ring. I just, it's like, ugh, I'm just done with Sherry and Parker as a thing. Um, I'm fine with Parker being with the Canadians, but we don't need to be tied to Harlem Heat. Like, just separate and, like, let them each go their own way. Yeah, that hopefully ends pretty soon. Any association they have with each other. We didn't need uh, a Eric, match here. This should have just been a segment. No, yeah, we didn't really need a match. Eric actually apologizes for all the confusion <laughs> as we right. had to break, so it was kind of a mess. Um, come back from break right to our next match Conan versus Chris Jericho. 
Uh, Eric says that he thinks there's a burning desire of Piper to get into the ring with Hogan. Nick Patrick, of course, is a referee because it's a Chris Jericho match. Uh, he, uh, Conan comes out wearing the, uh, I guess, the Mexican heavyweight championship from Triple A. Mm-hmm. Nick Patrick like lifts that belt up like it's up for grabs here. I don't know. Uh, some quick action. Tanae talks about Ted Irvine. Uh, arm drags a clothesline by Jericho with a with a slow count by Nick Patrick. He whiffs on the drop kick to the apron. That's kind of a botch. Uh, then misses a plancha to the floor. Conan does his rolling clothesline both outside and inside the ring. Eric says something spectacular and unexpected happens on WCW pay-per-views, and he expects no different at World War III. Jericho powers out of the submission, gets drop kicked in the leg. Power bomb by Conan looks good, gets a two count, and then he sets up like a really nasty arm bar. I was shocked at how good that looked by Conan. Mm. Uh, then Eric talks about, like, he uh, shouts out the Steelers defense, who's apparently now redubbed themselves as the NWO defense. <laughs> and he calls out his buddy Mike Malarkey, who's the tight end coach of the mm-hmm. Steelers. So there we go. Talks about Kevin Green as well, having a good season. Conan gives a drop. And he says he's going to call uh, call Green about business this week. So mm, there we go. Potential foreshadowing. Right. Kevin coming back. Yep. Uh, Conan gives a drop kick to the stomach, misses the charge in, German suplex by Jericho, backspin kick and a back elbow, rolling pin for Jericho gets two, and another pin doesn't even get one count. Is Patrick's very slow and out of position. Uh, Mike Tanay calls him out on that. Uh, then we get the finish where they trade shots. Conan drop kicks Jericho very gingerly into Nick Patrick, and he immediately calls for the DQ. So complete kind of like chicken shit finish for Patrick. Overall, as a match, like Conan, I, I mean, he has some moments that are disjointed, but then he had some awesome moments with the power bomb and the arm submissions. It's kind of Conan's MO. Um, Jericho, I thought, looked a little more sloppy than he has in prior weeks, so this wasn't his best, like, execution-wise performance. It was a fine match. I mean, it's really made to just keep continuing Jericho versus Patrick at the end, so I went two and a quarter. Uh, two and a half for me. Um, yeah, pretty solid. Again, a lot of the f- focus is where Bischoff is on commentary, right? Talking about uh, Piper a lot and Hogan, the Kevin Green stuff, the Steelers stuff. We get the NWO fans kind of rabble rousing in the front as well. More bullshit, uh, of course, the Jericho and Patrick, um, where he screws them over. I was just glad we didn't get an immediate interview again with them. Yeah. <laughs> but that one's short. Good. Just continuing on. Uh, so, yeah, just, again, a match with not a lot of focus, but Jericho continues to look pretty good in the ring, despite the shady finish of Patrick. Okay. All right. Then we come back to a, a very random match. Mm-hmm. to Guerrero versus Miguel Perez Jr. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Eric lets us know Jericho was all over Patrick during the break. Hoovy attacks, like, right as they come back from the break, even before the bell. Quick start here. Tanae gives us a little bio on Miguel Perez. Uh, lets us know about his dad. Talks about the Antonio Rocca tag team. Uh, Bobby mentions them in the 1950s. Uh, he says Junior has a fur shirt on, so there you go, ragging on him. Uh, La Maestro cradle attempt by Perez. It gets clothesline. Then Hoovy hits a uh, missile drop kick. 
Perez catches him in a Russian leg sweep, uh, leg sweep does a cannonball Pescado and standing moonsault. Something's going on in the crowd of fight or something has them distracted, or maybe it was DiBiase and Ted coming out because they talk after the match. I don't know what it was, but the crowd was distracted. Perez flips over the ropes, gets a drop kick to the floor, big hoovy dive onto the floor. He sits Perez on the guardrail, tries to run him, but then gets power bomb. That has a nasty sound to it. Uh, back in the ring, Hoovy recovers with a springboard drop kick. Eric congratulates Holyfield on his win over Mike Tyson the previous weekend. Hoovy heads up to the top, goes for the 450, but lands on his feet. And then Perez gets a kind of nifty pin to win. So, I mean, this was a balls-out match for three mm-hmm. five minutes. This was kind of Hoovy uh, to his core at this point, where he's, you know, not a ton of psychology, but a lot of action, a lot of crap going on. Uh, it's pretty entertaining, and I thought Perez like held his own here. I thought he looked yeah. fine. He did, and uh, Tanay mentions it that he kind of lost some weight and got in better shape. He certainly looks better build wise here than he does in his uh, Los Barucas run next year. So mm-hmm. um, I, I thought he looked fine here. Kind of another guy you can add to the arsenal, and uh, I found this pretty enjoyable for what it was. Two and a half stars. Yeah, I went two and a half as well. The uh, he also hits a handspring tope um, to the floor, which is great looking too. It just he was really the both guys are cooking. So this is Holyfield Tyson, the first one. This is the air first bite. one. Yeah, That's not the air bite. Yep, I looked it up. Uh, Tyson, I mean Holyfield actually got a TKO, mm. and it said like that he was a twenty-five to one underdog at some yeah. spots. It's crazy. Yeah, it was a big upset. I remember the air bite watching that live for sure. Uh, my uncle, he always ordered the, the big fights. He got that one. So we went over there at his house. And uh, it's actually topical because we're coming up on ECW using that in a storyline pretty soon as well in 1997. So the the rematch with the bite is like the summer of 97 for sure. So Yeah, yeah it's uh, June 97. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, tough slot for these dudes kind of late in the night. Um, mm-hmm. Perez being an unknown, I thought the start was clunky, but they really got rolling and opened it up. I actually think this might have been better to open the show. Um, I know we had Ben watch Jarrett, which is a fun opener, but that could have better. That could have probably been here and hung in, especially with the Sting stuff. Um, would have kept the crowd maybe more engaged, whereas this might have been hotter to open the show. I think they were just kind of burnt a little bit by this point. They don't know who the hell Perez is. Um, so I don't think it resonated as well as it could have. But it's a big win for Perez. We'll see if he sticks around. Um, again, like Sequope, could be a pretty good addition here to Cruiserweights. So two and a half for me. Yeah, I, I I think they didn't put this in the first hour because they didn't want this match going against Raw. Yeah, probably. Yeah, That's I mean they have they flipped it. I mean look at the. Yep. We've had the French Canadians like we get yep. the males coming up. So yeah, they definitely feels like they flipped a little bit in ring wise. Yep. Uh, so Ted and Vince are in the crowd. Uh, he calls for Sting. Says they're standing in his spot. Great minds think alike. He thanks him for what they did to Jarrett. Says, you're already wearing the NWO colors. Vince then holds up the NWO t-shirt. Ted says, all you have to do is come on over and put on the shirt, and then you're NWO for life. So, I guess formally extending the invitation to Sting to join the NWO there. Yep. Pretty straightforward. Continuing the mind games, if nothing else. Then we get our main event. Um, So, American Males versus Faces of Fear. Uh, they talk about kind of the males not necessarily seeing eye to eye past couple of weeks. Males double team start with their vests on. Uh, Eric lets us know the Piper video is a music video. 
Drop kick by Bagwell. Mean hits him in the throat, and the faces bear take over. He misses a dive, uh, uh, flying forearm from Bagwell. Uh, Bagwell still has his vest on. I, he almost wrestles this whole match with it. It's weird. Uh, Barbarian at one point gets tagged in, and they kind of forget about it. And then they have to recircle the wagons, and Barbarian gets tagged in again. He promptly like power bombs the shit out of Bagwell. So I think mm-hmm. he was a little frustrated at that. Uh, that allows the faces of fear to work over. They they work over Bagwell pretty good. Uh, more match of the decade hype from Eric. He says it's on par with the hype for Holyfield and Tyson. Clothesline to Barbarian by Bagwell, but he gets clipped by Mean. Um, and then uh, they each give clothesline. Mean uh, gets clotheslined by Riggs. That allows Bagwell to get the hot tag to Riggs. He uh fires away gets some shots and drop kicks but then we have a finish where bagwell like is on the apron he drops down to the floor uh barbarian runs the ropes uh but gets tripped up by bagwell from the floor but at the same time riggs was going for a drop kick so mm-hmm. riggs wipes out on the drop kick and then uh he gets up and Mean knocks him out with a kick and gets the pinfall. So Faces of Fear win the match. But uh, when Mean pins it, Bagwell's in the ring yep. and doesn't even try at all to kind of break up the pin. So certainly a lot going on, like uh, some some definite dissension going on for the uh, American males. As a match, it was what it was. Again, it was more basically about Faces of Fear looking strong. We can probably go ahead and say, like, Jimmy Hart gets on the mic after the match. Basically just says, like, he doesn't know why in World War Three the Faces of Fear aren't included and that, you know, they should be entered into the tag team title match. So he's yeah, Why the hell the Nasty case. Boys getting a title match, basically? Yeah, yeah, pleading his case for his guys. So I want to start in half. I mean, I thought it was fine in making Faces of Fear look good and continuing the dissension among the American males. Yeah, I think Bobby's been pretty good tonight, too. Like, he talks yep. a lot here about Piper being the person beat Hogan. I liked him earlier, like you mentioned you know, given the insights about Miguel Perez Sr. So he's had a pretty good night overall. Bischoff, you know, teasing us to stay, says we got the tape. The music video is ready to go, the Roddy Piper music video. We'll see it after this. Um, I think they're trying to find ways to be creative with the dissension of the mail. So that's why we kind of got that weird little bit of a clunky finish. But we do know that they're frustrated. Bagwell's clearly frustrated with the rigs. Um, even earlier when he couldn't get his vest off. That was the whole thing. Um <laughs> So I think the crowd is weary, too, at this point. They seem a little checked out. Uh, the males, I thought, worked pretty hard. The face of fear is dominant. So two stars. It's kind of a statement match by them, trying to prove that they belong in the tag title mix. Right. Uh, then we get the video. Yes. I, I, I mean, I don't even know. Like, it's it's a video of I'm Your Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 did you make notes of this? I couldn't even really make notes. I mean, I basically said, like, there's a Hollywood Bowl marquee. That's the big. Hogan versus Piper. Yeah, that's the big piece of it. So this 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 feels forced. Um, but when we know where things go, you can look back at it as, like, they're trying to embarrass Piper, I that's guess. That's what I wanted to talk about. Do you yeah. think this was a weighted sabotage from bishop yes on Piper. okay yes yes i do or the nwo I, at least all right i think if you look at this from that angle it makes this look better yeah 
uh, as a video, it's very cheesy. I mean, honey, only one man can. I'm your man. Close a piper at the beach. Um, and then yeah, it's the all black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the be- on the beach frolicking with a woman and meant to be like a sex symbol. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a bit much. You know, it's whatever. It's, it's almost like a mini movie. <laughs> Jumping jump rope with the Zubaz on. It's yeah, he's either, it's alternating him working out, him singing and him on the beach with this woman. Um, but the big thing is the very brief clip during the, mm-hmm. during the song of the Hollywood Bowl marquee. Right. So what they're using it, they're saying basically that by Piper doing this music video and having this clip at that time has showed that he's wanted this match with Hogan for a while. Right. So proof that Piper's here because he wants to fight Hogan. And that's proof that they can get a deal done. Like, I think that's what they're trying to get at. Yeah. But I think, like we said, the underlying tone, because that's how this whole angle plays out, is that Bischoff is trying to drag this all out and kind of... He's kind of making it look like Piper wants it, but won't answer his calls to try and portray him as like a pussy. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, the copyright's 1992, so they're like, oh, even back then, you know, Piper had this, this match in mind. So right. why isn't he showing up? Why can't we get the deal done? Yeah. He obviously wanted it. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's meant to be more mind games, a little convoluted, but... Okay. Um, and Bobby thinks Piper is the one who sent the tape in, but mm. that's supposed to be the NWO. All right. So, uh, like previous two weeks, this leads to the final thing we see, which is a Hogan promo. Comes out with his crew, Vince, Giant, Ted. We also get Elizabeth dressed as an elf. Um, you know, mm-hmm. not looking bad. Uh, she looks very unhappy, though. Hogan asks for the spotlight, wants to feel like he's in Hollywood. Everybody's got the Christmas spirit. Santa with muscles is wiping everybody out <laughs> at the box office. Francis Ford Coppola, Hogan <laughs> says, and Steven Spielberg called him. They want him to uh, star in their next movies. And uh, then he says, basically, get her out of here, Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a minor tidbit in this ma- in this promo that was another kind of interesting thing uh and real i mean we had confirmation but on television this was concrete confirmation nick patrick is in the ring as well oh really this promo yes he is hanging out in the back and just he's in the background but he's with them and uh swats away some trash that's getting thrown in the ring so a pretty pretty cool little moment that yeah. if you're you know really zoning in, it's like oh okay there you go there you, I mean he's definitely an NWO. Uh, Hogan says Piper don't want none of what he's got. He's the NWO champion. Piper, bring your skirt. Uh, he's tired of the man. After two or three weeks, he called him out. He's heard nothing. Uh, hands the microphone to Ted. Ted says, "Listen, you've you've issued the challenge, Hollywood. Now it's time to entertain him one more time." And Hogan poses as the show ends. Yeah, so, I mean, three weeks in a row, he's calling up Piper, no Piper. This has kind of become our closing segment now on Nitro. It's become a thing yep. where Hogan cuts a quick promo, poses, and we're out. It's, it's been consistent now. Um, while DiBiase's kind of playing hype man. As usual, they've at least kept this brief, right? Like, we've talked yep. about Hogan has a tendency to ramble. But during these, they've they've kept him pretty tight to the script. He hits his bullet point and gets out 
So I think that's been pretty good. Uh, so we'll see how it all plays out. I'm your man is pretty well known, <laughs> you know, pretty uh, yeah. infamous, infamous segment for sure. Um, so we'll see where it leads. But I mean, look, it's if nothing else is creative, right? They dug this tape out. They're mm-hmm. trying to use it to the like they're they're trying to find ways to drag this out a bit because we have a ways to go before they got to fight. So, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I think for the the I mean, they made Pipe uh, Hogan's feuds seem very different that he's had. And I think the uh, way they've not rushed this has been very good. Like to me, the build up has been appropriate. Um, and it really kickstarts next week, so they kind of held off, and then next week we'll see. But it's a it's a big moment for sure. All right, uh, All right. let's get to get to our awards. Yep, for this episode, uh, match of the night. I went with Ray and Cyclope. Yep, same moment. Uh, I mean the. I kind of split the difference here. I didn't go with the NWO Larry stuff, but I did give the Outsiders the MVP because of it. Um, I went with I'm your man. I think it's the most memorable moment of this episode. I think it's uh, infamous, whether it's for the right or wrong reasons. It's It stands out. I knew it was coming at some point. Um, although I will be honest, I always thought it was in the build-up to Super Bowl, not here, that they brought it out. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, that was like the most memorable moment of this whole thing. But I gave Outsiders the MVP because they were the best of the night. Okay, I gave Moment and MVP to the Outsiders, so both pretty clean sweep for me. I agree with what you say about Iron Man. I just it's 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 a little, I mean it's definitely corny, but right, you have to think very meta too. Yep. Uh, commentaries had a couple. Larry saying, "You're sure it's not Cyclops pay?" <laughs> just made me laugh. And then Nash, uh, you get a cup of soup with that shirt. It's fantastic. All right, so debuts. I think oh, and shots fired. There's only one. It was just Tony says, uh, "Only I'm only here on Monday nights. You can see this action." All right. Uh, debuts. I think we got uh, what Miguel Perez, sequel mm-hmm. pay. Osaka. Oh, was no, we've seen her. Did we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Doctor James Andrews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a debut. Let me make sure on Osaka, but I'm pretty sure we've seen her. Um, oh. and the, I didn't think we had, but I could be wrong. Oh, man. Cage match. Don't let me down. Yeah. Oh, yes. Let's look at we our did. match. Okay. Yeah. She was on. The oh, yeah. 715. Oh, yeah. She 715 and 85. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, Road Report, Florence, South Carolina. Yep. No dropped angles that I noted. No. Uh, no, w- no Japanese music, I don't think, did we? Did yeah. not... It wasn't a drop, but I will say, no Teddy Long on this show. Yeah, but we're not done with it. I know, but yeah. I was happy to have a, a week rest. Did either Hosaka or, I know Zero probably didn't, did either of them use the Japanese music? No, Zero okay, was using, so. a, I don't, it was a weird theme. I don't Hollywood didn't recognize it. No, it wasn't that either. Okay. Uh, final grade. I went seven out of ten. I had a very good episode. Um, we didn't have that banger match. You know, we Ray and Sickle was really good. Um, we also didn't have like the huge angle, but we had a lot of good angle advancement. Like a lot of good stuff happened. Commentary is on point. We made a lot of progress. Um, I like this definitely a touch better than the last week for sure. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've liked, I've actually liked these shows a good bit, and I, I agree that I don't think there's anything that's like amazing, but um, I, I've liked the progression of the shows that have happened, mm-hmm. and I mentioned it a couple times, like in the back half of 1996, but I do think these are like pretty good heat check shows, and that they're nothing, you know, extremely memorable or spectacular, but are still like really good shows. So I, I went seven out of ten too. I thought it was a really good nitro. All right, let's head over across the dial to USA Network. We are still in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> one yeah. last, one last go around here. It's our go home episode for Survivor Series, Madison Square Garden, the big weekend they've been hyping with the Hall of Fame and the big pay per view. So let's see how we get there. We get our opening animation. We go right inside Fort Wayne, right to the ring. Vince McMahon, Jerry the King Lawler in the booth, set up the go-home edition of Raw. We get our opening match. It's one we've been building to for a few weeks here. As Shawn Michaels and Sid, our opponents for the world title at Sorry Series, teaming up to challenge the British Bulldog and Owen Hart for the tag team titles. Really big match to kick the night off, loaded with stars, and the final step before Sid and Shawn face off. Vince walks us through clips of the build to this challenge. We get a good pop from Sid as he stalks out, kind of ebbing into this. We get a lot of entrances and hype. Vince gives the real hard sell for Star Series all through the intros. He also notes that uh, Michaels is on Regis and Kathy Lee this morning. He gets a pop as he comes out. Could be his last Raw match as champion during this very lengthy run. We get a Steve Austin inset promo. McMahon is, uh, he calls McMahon pathetic for apologizing all the time, especially for what happened last week. He says he'll continue to turn up the fire. He knows Bret Hart is here tonight. He's going to find his locker room, put the sharpshooter on him, and he will not be waiting for Madison Square Garden. So more good stuff from Austin. Sid and Sean argue over who starts, but Owen jumps Sid. We're off and running. Owen begs off, but Sid shoots him hard to the corner, yanks him by the hair. Owens is a bump machine uh, mode early here. Sid is battering him around. Owen comes back with punches in the corner, but Sid just flicks him off to the floor, works the arm, and then tags Sean. Sean works the arm as well. He keeps Owen flailing around before knocking him back outside. After a break, Sean is working over Bulldog uh, with speed into controlling the arm. He tags Sid, who does the same. Bulldog comes back with a suplex, but misses a leg drop, and Sid gets back to work. Sean tags in, and the champions finally turn the tide with some sneakery, as Vince is proud that AF has never had a betting scandal, and King says there never will be one. I thought that's kind of inside baseball, wink, wink, um, mm-hmm. I guess, in a way. Owen slugs away and slows down the pace, focusing on the midsection, and then a chin lock. King thinks Sid is letting Sean carry load on purpose to wear him down, which I thought was a pretty cool point um, here, that why, why work hard, let, let Sean take the beating to soften him up. The champs tag in and out. They pick up our show on some basic strikes and holds. They're controlling the pace. Sid ties up the ref, and Vince again wonders if that's on purpose as the champions double-team Sean. Owen gets a nice neck breaker and heads up top, hits a high cross body, but Sean rolls through for two. Bulldog clobbers Sean from behind as they continue to keep the action in that corner. Sid keeps baiting in the ref. A very long heat segment. We get a, a Bret Hart, Steve Austin hype promo during the break. When we come back, Sean is still being mauled, and Vince says it's been going on the whole time during the commercial. Owen gets a spin kick for two, keeps Sean grounded as Bulldog comes in and pours it on. Vince knows that Sean will be on AOL at 8 p.m. for a live chat. The double team rolls on as Sean finally dodges a missile drop kick and Owen bangs into Bulldog. Sean finally tags Sid, who comes in at Rex House with kicks and a big choke slam that rattles the Bulldog. The crowd is hyped as Sid loads up the powerbomb, but Bulldog counters out of it. Sean tries sweet gym music on Bulldog, but he ducks. And instead, Sean hits Sid with the kick and Bulldog covers for the win to pin Sid. Uh, pretty good finish, I thought. The timing was good. Afterwards, Sean comes in to save Sid, but Owen cracks him with an Enziguri, and both guys are laid out as the champions leave. 
So I thought it was a pretty fun uh, old school classic tag match. It felt very Saturday Night's Main Event type match. Uh, Sean took a beating. The champions are crisp and on point. Really good in that format. Uh, I, I thought the Sid hints were good too with him baiting the ref. So Sean stayed in the ring. Uh, and I thought it was a pretty good enough hard sell to go home on. Uh, it was built nicely over the last month uh, up to this. So it was a pretty good taping long storyline. Made Bulldog and Owen look strong too. They didn't take a loss. Like they could have easily just, even with the miscommunication, slick up beat or had a DQ, but they they win. So that was good. Uh, so I went three stars, Chad. This is a pretty good opener. Oh, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty mundane, actually. I went two and a half. Got a lot of time. I think uh, it's a lot of just problems I have sort of with a baby of things. One is, in general, the, the raw structure uh, where the heat, I didn't think, was there because it was probably the final final taping of the night. Um, also, just uh, in general with wwf tags around this time like there's just not much focus from the heels uh when they take control like mm-hmm. compared i watched nitro first and like even with like norton working the arm of luger for a minute and conan submissions like it just felt like you know these people that i don't think are like great workers are doing more interesting things during their segments and somebody like Owen, which I know I've been critical of Owen, but it continues. Like, I just, I don't feel like, I don't feel like he necessarily does anything to like elevate these matches up a level. And I feel like he has opportunities right. too. So, I mean, it's a problem. Uh, as far as the match itself with the angle at the end, I, I like that. I do agree with you that it had kind of uh, Saturday Night Main Event vibes to it. Mm-hmm. The, the execution was a little funky, where it almost looks like um, Michael's whiffs on the Sweet Jam music. He doesn't get said very well, uh, but but the the kind of projection of what they wanted made sense. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this feud's been kind of, uh, on one hand, it's tough because, like, with Michaels, they've done nothing on some of his other feuds. But right. I haven't said, I'd be lying if I said this feud's actually, like, set my world on fire. So, it's been okay. I'd put it at, like, C level going into the pay-per-view. It just feels like there's been so many mis- miscommunication spots it's like it's either one or the other. Either like Sean legitimately is just a dick bag and keeps hitting Sid on purpose, or he's like that's the worst luck ever. You know right. what I mean? Like it's got to be one or the other. Um, I think they're really selling the match on just like it's fresh. Sid's on a little bit of a hot streak. This could be it. Like can Sean top another big guy? Like yeah, the story really isn't there. I think they're just building on the novelty of the match on paper. Right. I, I I thought the best um, best stuff was uh, during the match was with Lawler talking about how like Sid was basically hanging Sean out to dry and you know was like getting him to work the lion's share of the match to want right. to grind him down. Um, so I mean overall it was fine. I did like at least that Bulldog got the pin. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of prepping for that, and the first segment is like just Sean and Sid running through them. That's that's usually a major pitfall of uh, some of these tag matches is when yep. you have the tag champions get dominated by two single stars. Um, so at least Owen and Bulldog had enough offense. I just didn't think it was too focused. So two and a half, it was fine. Uh, 
Uh, Austin's promo was really good. Yes. As quickly as it was. So that yep. was good. All right, we got a superstar line ad. Doc plugs option six. Jim Ross's notes about who the mystery man could be on Sunday. We haven't really talked about that much. Um, I feel like, they, again, some rice series have been built, but not like we haven't like delved into the card really on Raw too much. We know the yeah, big they, matches. They, I think they go pretty like hard sell here mm-hmm. on this show where Vince talks about a lot. But after the main three singles matches he kind of just throws all the tag matches together and says oh yeah and the tag survivor series matches there's a note on the observer on that uh so here's dave he says no word at all on who the mystery partner will be in yokozuna sabio vega flash funk and x versus vader farouk razor and diesel other than it won't be ahmed johnson as he's not due back until mid-december whomever it is will be someone who isn't presently in the wwl rumors were going around about Jim Helwig, but he still got the lawsuit outstanding against Titan, so I can't see that happen. Um, that was all he had. Like he didn't wow, so no mention of Savage, huh? No mention of Savage, so I think that's just uh, a little bit of a rumor. I mean, but that was that, a big rumor. Like well, that was for me at that point. I was a hundred percent sure it was Savage. Well, a hundred percent. I I think the the reason for that is if you're not in the know like he hasn't been on tv since Mm -hmm. halloween habit but even if you are in the know like dave has talked about and we didn't really mention much of it because there was so much in the other observer but he's talked about like the negotiations going on with savage and wcw currently like he don't have a contract right so no, and, and I think that was known, like, you know, the internet was rudimentary, but some stuff was out there. And like, yeah. I think it was being talked about that Savage's contract was up. He was done. Yeah. And it made sense because he signed in November of 94. Right. So, I mean, that's a two year deal. It seems about logical to me. Um, So, yeah. And the silhouette that they used purposely to me, I think they used look just like Savage. Like, I don't think we ever really see it on here, but they were showing it at the time. And online, for sure, they had the the match graphic on the Dodie's, Dodie's hub on AOL. It, it looked, you could probably find it if we Googled it, but it looked just like Savage. Like, it just, mm-hmm. it looked just like him. So, I was, I was, I was pretty positive it was Savage coming out at that. On that. I remember being really disappointed when it wasn't him. <laughs> yeah. It definitely seemed like it was going to be. Um, because that was the rumor in the talk was that he was coming back. He was pissed with WCW. His contract was up. Um and you know he was headed back home, so right. that was like a big spot to do it in MSG. So um, one note, of course, is the Lex Luger theme music from WCW song plays. Yeah. Over the, that's uh, that always made me laugh. They used that for a while over the uh, Superstar line. Yep. All right, uh, Kevin Kelly's backstage. Officials and agents are trying to keep the peace. He says there was a chaotic scene, but they've been separated. He's going to stay and get interviews with both Sid and Shawn Michaels um, here in a minute. Yeah, I'd be interested when they actually film this. Because like, mm-hmm. it's the same one they used for uh, Hart and yes. Austin, well, Austin later. And that clearly wasn't filmed the night after Buried Alive, based on what Austin says. So, I don't know when right. they filmed it. Yeah, must have been some. Because, I mean, it looks it looks like a cheap hotel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very rinky-dink. Very weird. Uh, we got a Survivor Series report with Doc Hendricks. He says Kevin Kelly needs hazard pay from Vince. Mm-hmm. Everything going on for him. Uh, he hypes up the uh, all the matches. We got Mero, Stalker, Rocky Maivia, and Mark Henry taking on Hunter Helmsley, Jerry Lawler, Goldust, and Crush. 
We have Farouk Vader, Razor Mona Diesel versus Salvio Vega, Yokozuna, Flash Funk, and a Mystery Man, which I think that may be one of the weirdest, like, Survivor Series teams ever. Salvio Vega, whatever. Yokozuna we haven't seen since he broke the rope with Austin, right? At the free-for-all for SummerSlam? Uh, I don't yeah. think he's been on since then. I think so. so. And he hasn't been talked about either. So suddenly he's announced. Flash Funk, it's like, okay, who the fuck is this? Yeah, and then... Man. He hadn't yeah. been announced on Raw. This is the first time we've seen him. Right. So. And it's like, say, now, I don't know if he was mentioned on, on like, Superstars or Maybe. But, yeah, as far as Raw is concerned, this graphic's the first time his name's ever mentioned. Right. So it's like, okay, Flash Funk and the Mystery Man. This <laughs> is such an odd team just put together for no reason. Um, and then the Godwins, Doug Furness and Philip LaFon, also a brand new Also never been mentioned. Yeah. Yep. Debuting team. Taking on British Bulldog and Hart and the Rockers. So, like, there's a lot going on at the Survivor Series card as far as, like, new faces. Like, we got Rocky debuting, we got a Mystery Man, we got Flash Funk, we've been promised a new Farouk look, and Furnace and LaFon. So, like, a lot of change going on here. Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, interesting stuff. So, I I, I thought the Flash Funk thing was very odd, how they Mm kind of just... Oh, yeah, and Flash Funk. It's like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Right. So. And we'll talk more about his debut uh, on our next episode when we get to Survivor Series, but uh, that was a big weekend for him because November yeah. is his final show, and he's all over that. So, um, All right. Kevin Kelly says Sid is cooling down, but he'll have a lot to say. Back to the ring we go as kind of a throwback here to the early days of Mankind, taking on Freddie Joe Floyd. Mankind wobbles out. He's got Paul Bearer. Vince hypes the big MSG war with Undertaker coming this weekend. Freddy Joe dances to the ring. He's got a pretty tough challenge ahead of him. Uh, Vincent King starts talking about Barbara Streisand and Oprah Winfrey for some reason. Mankind charges at Freddy Joe, but Freddy hammers away and hits a drop kick. Mankind comes back with strikes. As Vince says, we haven't seen Undertaker since Buried Alive. The Executioner is at ringside as Mankind beats on Freddy Joe. King calls Vince Nostradufus as Freddy <laughs> Joe is taking a beating and eating a running knee in the corner. Mankind crushes him with a nasty pile driver and ends his night with the mandible claw. Mankind cradles the urn. The lights go out and Undertaker's music hits. A shark cage lowers. We get the stuffed dummy hanging upside down. We talked about that last week. Uh, Taker's voice bellows out and issues his final warnings for Sunday. Uh, and I guess by this point, you don't need much more than that. Uh, you know, we know they hate each other. We know they could put on crazy matches. So it kind of is what it is. Uh, the match itself is a squash, but Mankind squash is always fun. Uh, Smothers is obviously a fun guy to bump around for, uh, and he's ready for MSG. So I went a star and a quarter on this squash. Uh, yeah, I mean, I went two stars. I actually had almost the same note. I said there's two guys I like, so even yeah. though it was a squash, it was enjoyable. Um, I think they talked about the Barbara Streisand and Oprah thing that morning just to say, hey, we're live doing the commentary. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of your tip off True. of that. Yeah, uh, yeah not, not much in, in the way of the match besides what you mentioned. The pile driver was absolutely sick. Mm-hmm. Mankind hit. Mandible Claw still over as a nice finisher. Executioner's looking on from the outside. He, he's not doing much. And overall, like with the gonk hitting and bear upside down in the cage with as the mannequin... I don't know. I I I continue to say pretty lame bill. Like, I, 
I don't, I don't, I'm, I, I guess I'll go in. I'll try to be optimistic with the match itself, but every step of this feud up to this point has felt like a regression for me. So we'll see if that continues. I think it's tough when they started so hot. Yeah. Um, to keep it busy. I mean, this feud started the night after WrestleMania <laughs> at yeah, WrestleMania Series, and they fought. It's like it's been one of those ones where they didn't really touch, but they've hyped it. Like they've had this is going to be their fourth pay per view match now, so. Yeah, it's just very tough to go from a match where you're literally, like, burying somebody alive. To... Right. It's a regular match, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Well, and they should have made it, like, a last-time step or something, you know what I mean? Like, maybe, like, this is it kind of thing. I still, I, I mean, I honestly still don't know. I'm interested to see why they just didn't go with Executioner. Because mm. I don't think they necessarily would have had to, like... I mean, certainly, like, Mankind versus Undertaker kind of pads the card, and Vince is using it like, oh, you know, we got three big singles matches, and he mentions it. But I think at this point, like, with the way the builds went, which maybe they didn't know in retrospect, but this feels like they could have just done Undertaker versus Executioner. You know, of course. I think they know maybe he's washed in the sleeping show. (laughs) I mean, you could have done a handicap. (laughs) Right, you could have done a handicap. You could have done yeah. mankind and executioner, yeah. like if you want to do something, but I'm not crazy about that either. I'd say like, what are you you're not you're gonna keep mankind off the show though? He could have done something else, probably. I mean, they're weak on face, but yeah, I mean, I having Barry, yeah, it could have him Barry Marrow. Marrow don't have to be in the tag, does he? Yeah, well, they, yeah, he does. I mean, he's feud with Triple H, like he's kind of gonna be there. Yeah. I don't know. So you put Mankind as a face on that team? No, I put Mankind just in some sort of single. Oh, match against he Marrow. has to be on the show. Yeah, against Marrow. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, <clears throat> I mean, under, I mean, you know, it's like they could do any. They could have hot shotted another few. I mean, it's just like they. I mean, with this, they just stand at pat. But if they knew they were eventually going to go with Taker versus Executioner. Which right. They knew, then just get it over with. Then yeah. you know a month before that he's done. Right. You know, I mean, if you think he's that done, don't bring him in. I, I, and it's tough to say they could have done Buried Alive here because it's such. I mean, where are you going to set that up? For this yeah, show? I don't, I don't, I don't think you can do that. I mean, I, and I think they need it to sell in your house. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I mean, I think Buried Alive is actually very effective as an October in your house type pay per view because it was a match. You know, we. You know, it didn't do great buy rate, but I mean, it's enough of a hook that you get your core audience to say, okay, that's an interesting. What if they did Mankind and Bearer in a handicap? Maybe. More of a tease, Bearer getting beat up, you know? I could, I'd probably be more on board with that. Well, we'll see how the match itself goes. Yeah. All right, listen, I hope you love Kevin Kelly because we're about to get a big dose (laughs) in the next few minutes. He's been all over these shows. Like, I didn't have to ask him, but I wonder if, like, they gave him a bone because they pulled him out of the booth. Yeah. They, like, mean, like, built, like, they made him mean Gene. I mean, he's he's on every yeah. fucking episode. He's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it was, like, a make good for pulling him off Raw. After I that. mean, because, like, they could have had Doc in this role right. very easily, but they yeah. don't. They went with Kevin. No, so. they, they clearly like him. All right, he narrates a Hall of Fame package uh, highlighting Killer Kowalski and the Valiant Brothers, so going in on Saturday. 
Uh, Kevin then narrates a Rocky Maivia workout hype package to set up his debut. We kind of get the infamous clips of Kevin and, and Rocky walking through a park, talking mm-hmm. about his feelings on the debut, plus his family legacy, and clips including uh, him inducting Rocky into the Calif- Cauliflower LA Club as well. So pretty basic final hype for Rocky before his big debut. Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, Meltzer loves him. He says they've been great. You know, I, I, I thought they've been good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is kind of a victim of circumstance of when this stuff's coming out. Right. Because this feels like, you know, kind of the, hey, we're bringing in this baby face type camaraderie type video we've mm-hmm. had. But with the stuff you're seeing from Austin, it's so raw. It's like, oh, this looks very vanilla in retrospect. But. I mean, we'll get to it. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to track the plight of Rocky and when the crowd like really turns on him, um, like when that happens. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's right away. So we'll, we'll have to keep that in mind. As far as the video package is good, I mean, I like right. them now. I think they were well done. All right, Kevin's backstage. Oh, we see Sid stalking around the hallways, kicking stuff, and teasing his interview. Uh, we then get the ad for the Big Bang Boom Tour. We're going to New York City for Survivor Series the next night in New Haven for a Raw, Springfield, Massachusetts, Westchester, New York, and then Quebec and Montreal to wrap up the tour. Kevin is with Sid now. He ain't thinking it's a mistake and tells Kevin <laughs> to shut his mouth. Sid says he gave him the benefit of the doubt with the chair, but tonight he kicked him in the face. There'll be no mistakes on Sunday, the night that ends the reign of Michaels. Sean has to step off the mountain so the big man can step above. He will not be knocked down because he's the master and ruler of the world. I thought this is the great kind of forgotten Sid promo. Yeah, uh, it was really good. This is this to me is where Sid excels. Mm-hmm. Like it's quick, it's a little nonsensical and off the rails, but you know it kind of works and. You know, calls Kevin Little Man. <laughs> I, I I just thought this worked a lot better than like the previous week where he was a little more long winded. Right. Was out in front of the crowd and kind of was distracted between Jose and Sean. Was trying to get his point across and had Ross giving him the questions, so he's a little bit all over the place. This was better for sure. All right, now Steve Austin is backstage uh, waiting. He's still aggravated. He tells Vince that he runs his mouth when it's his time to talk. Bob Holly's going to get a lesson. It's not going to take long. And Bret Hart better watch and be prepared for the most important match of his life. He's trying to please the people and his family, and that will be what gets Bret in trouble. Austin only takes care of himself. Bret should keep watching. He's not going to wait for MSG. And if you thought last week was bad, just wait till he finds Bret's locker room tonight. Yeah. Oh, this is awesome. Uh, Austin is popping in from all over Vince and be pissed. It's so good. It's just, it just works so well. It's like we've seen it all taping where he's been in different places. The whether it's Kentucky, the studio, now he's backstage. Like he just keeps cutting Vince off and and barking at him. Yeah, I like the backstage aspect of this. Um, when he says it's the most important match of uh, Brett's life, Vince does. Well, I'd agree with that, which was <laughs> kind of funny. Um, yeah, overall, it was very good. It, I, right. The only yeah. so minor thing. And, and I'm still I'm 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 really interested to see how the match plays out because he does talk about like th- there is still a little bit of like and I I think Austin did a little bit better projecting this and he did actually in his match which I'll talk about briefly but you know he talks about like with Holly like he's gonna give him the wrestling lesson of his life 
but then he talks about like this chaos he's going to be doing mm-hmm. otherwise. So I do think like in this promo and the way he wrestled this match, it's like, well, he's going to be still wrestling, but with right. like a sharper edge. So I'm, I, I mean, my memory of the match itself with Brad is that's how that carries over. I thought mm-hmm. this gave a better projection of how that match is going to go. Right. What we've seen previously where he's just been like really unhinged and, you know, whatever, brawling, throwing people in kiddie pools and whatnot, like more, more of a brawler. So, yeah, he wants to prove he can wrestle, out wrestle yeah, and be the yeah. best. I think saying stuff like I'll give you the wrestling lesson of your life. That was an improvement and conveying the type of match they are going to have in the execution. So that's good. All right, we got the Karate Fighters Tournament uh, oh. this week. We have Sable versus Doc Hendricks. We get pre-recorded comments from both. Stable quickly wins. The Doc kind of growls as we go uh, off. We get the updated brackets, uh, and we get one last first-round matchup next week. So Doc's promo had Bad Street USA <laughs> in the background. <laughs> I don't know if that's a network edit. Or no, what? no, I think it was probably at the time. I think it was a okay. joke. Okay, that was just crazy. So I noticed that, and then Doc's mannerisms during this match, like he looks like he's having a stroke, <laughs> and the way he's doing it, I mean, you know, I don't know how this was filmed, but you, you know, you probably could have filmed it where Sable legitimately beat Doc. You know, if it takes ten takes, it takes ten takes, right. whatever. Doc, the way he's moving his karate fighter. There's zero chance he's hitting Sables. Like, he's moving the fighter away from where Sables is with his mannerisms. And you can see him uh, purposely doing that. So that was... Maybe tried like 10 times and none of them worked. It's like, keep kayfabe alive here, brother. And uh, And then, like, Fink or whatever says, like, Oh, she won with a forearm across the face. It wasn't. It was a kick to the leg that knocked the karate fighter off. It's like, what are we watching here? So I analyzed this way too much, but yeah, it was what it was. Nowhere else you'll get this level of analysis on the karate fighter. Lawler was pretty funny at the booth saying, like, wake me up when this one's over and, (laughs) and like calling Doc stupid. And Sable, dumb as well. Like he, he really railed on both of them. So it was, it was pretty funny. All right, Kevin's with Shawn Michaels. He's wearing a towel. Um, and asked mm. him what went wrong in the ring. Sean says Sid and Sean have always had conflicting personalities, and it showed up more than ever. Sean won't call Sid master ruler. He says Bret Hart wants to be a role model, a superhero, and everyone's just sitting here calling Sean chump change. Uh, but all those people have been kicked by him. Tonight was a mistake, but he still knocks Sid out cold, and this Sunday he'll come to knock him out again, and Sid happens to have a giant chin he can aim for. You know, it was fine. Like, Sean was focused and pissed at least. He's not joking uh, for a change in here, so Uh I thought that added to the feud. He wants respect, and he's going to beat it out of Sid. He's done caring what people think. So I think we're starting to see, you know, a year later, right, the same shit that we saw from Diesel where he was done kind of being the – guy carrying the ball and kind of being the kiss of the babies and the goody goody jokey face. And now he's getting Sean's kind of starting to show a little bit of the same edge around the same time of year that diesel showed a year ago. Um, so we're kind of seems like maybe we're following that template. Yeah. I mean, this was okay for what it was. I, I didn't really have much note of that. I mean, I thought Sid's promo was better. So I was like, yeah, Man. for sure. 
It was at least more serious than the jokey shit. So. Yeah. He, Sean really don't know where he wants to go with his character, I think, right now. Yeah. I think he's really at a crossroads where, you know, he's kind of dressed a little more serious. Mm-hmm. Also tried to be a little more edgy, but I don't know. He's, he's a little... Um, Kind of feels like he's kind of running in place a little bit. So, we'll see. All right. Uh, next match is our main event, and that is Stone Cold Steve Austin taking on Bob Holly. Austin marches out. Uh, Swagger's just amazing right now, presented like a star. Uh, Jim Ross joins the booth as we start with some feeling out. JR puts over Holly, says he had lunch with Austin. He's focused solely on Bret Hart. King is loving the new acerbic JR. Vince kind of chortles about that. We see Brett watching the locker room as Austin cranks aside headlock, starts to mow through Holly with kicks and into a chin lock. Holly twists into a hammerlock as JR says that Hart hired a trainer to prep him and then says he had a long talk with Stu, who's a big fan of Austin. King mocks Hart's hair as Holly dodges a strike and works the arm. Austin clubs back and goes to a side headlock, happy to grind away. JR says starting next week, we'll kick off a tough man contest and Steve Austin will take on Vader. So pretty big match as we push more toward this hard hitting style. Austin beats on Holly with the middle rope elbow for two. King makes a drunk Jake Roberts joke. JR says Brett's drinking decaf coffee. No doubt about that. He says Brett will be at the CNM Variety in Brooklyn this Thursday night signing autographs. JR says he's a loyal vice president to Vince and confirms that Austin Vader is a go next week. During the break, we get the Austin Survivor Series hype promo. We get an ad for the big New York City weekend. We come back. Holly's punching his way back into it. Austin gets the Dez press. Holly counters to a roll-up. Austin comes back with a clothesline. He hammers the head, but Holly comes back, punching back into things. Vince thinks Austin is too focused on Brett. Holly knocks Austin down. He heads up top and eats a boot on the way down. And Austin finishes with a stutter. As JR says, don't worry. Austin's always in control. Uh, the match is fine. I think Holly got way too much offense. It was mm-hmm. way too slow uh, for a final hype. We, this is where I, I think we should have more of a manic squash with Austin. It's like beating the shit out of him angrily. Mm-hmm. Um, but also showing Austin could coolly kind of grind out a win works, just not the go home for my series. Like the idea of it's fine, but just wrong time. Um, so two stars for me on this one, just kind of is what it is. You know, it's a, it's the usual JR to just, he pops in for a match here and there and just unloads a bunch of news and notes. So that's kind of what that was, but. Yeah, I did go two and a quarter. Uh, Holly, you know, is what he is. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think you could have done more like cranking or just a little bit of a different style match would have been more effective. Probably didn't need a break either. Uh, again, last match of a long, long taping. So crowd's pretty dead. Uh, <laughs> um, funny moment on commentary where, uh, Holly gets a Hunakarana in and, uh, Ross says, that's a Hunakarana there, Vince, or uh, what a maneuver. So definitely a big shot at Vince, like saying that, uh, that he says that. Um, and then also like when he hits the stunner, they still haven't done a good job in putting that over as a finisher because he hits it and Vince is kind of talking about something else. And it's Ross, the first person that says like, Hey, this one's over. And then he gets the pinfall. So, there's still a little bit of a lag there. And then, mm-hmm. hey, you know, this is his stunner. This is a finisher. It's going to be the end of the match. Um, yeah, overall, I mean, this was fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't awful. Two and a quarter. It's crazy to me this is still the same freaking taping that Brett made his announcement to return. <laughs> like, it's, right. it seems like so much has happened since then. But, yep. like, yeah, these, these one-night tapings are going to go. I mean, we're almost there, but... 
God, just think of how much has gone down. I and will they, say I mean, this. Yeah, and even like the live crowd didn't get all that junk, but it, it's still, you know, it's a long taping. I mean, the one good thing is they've, this taping, they seem to make better use of like cutting in live stuff, right? So yep. that tightened it up a bit. Like we had Austin in the studio. We had Austin in Kentucky. Like we this, this stuff we're about to talk about. So we've had a lot more... Um, other stuff chopped in, so it's not just fully in the dead arena. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's just nuts that when this taping started, Bret Hart just returned, and now we're like a month into this heavy build, and all this other stuff's been going on. So right. Uh, all right, Austin goes backstage. He wants to open Bret's locker room, but says, uh, "Sure, Vince, you want me to go beat up Bret for free, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make you pay to see it because uh, this is the match of the decade, even though someone's stealing his lines." Um, Kind of a funny moment that's always made me laugh. Austin jiggles the handle, and the door actually floats open, and he kind of pushes it shut, as obviously it was supposed to be locked. <laughs> uh, he says, this is the end of the legend of the hitman. It's all about Stone Cold. Yeah. So to answer your question earlier, I, I wonder if they were doing this shit live from, like, a house show or something. Because why wouldn't they fix that? You know what I mean? Like, it, the door obviously opens up, and Austin has to kind of shut it. It seems like they could have easily reshot it with the door right. locked. Yeah, let me look at I wonder Steve if there was a Austin's, show that same night. Let me look at Steve Austin's cage match and see if we can diagnose this. I mean, it's clearly taped after the taping because he has right. the match of the decade line. So that's your giveaway. Um, 11. Yeah, some... yeah, there was nothing. There was. Uh, there, and it wasn't that night. They didn't have a house show that night. So maybe it was, I mean, that could have been Titan Tower. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, could have been. Or, I mean, it could, I mean, they had like a series of house shows the week before. Right. And a couple weeks before, one at Milwaukee, one in Buffalo. Like, it could have been one of those, probably. Yeah. It just, it felt live. It felt, again, like Austin was there live because Brett's not even there. So, like, it felt like they, they popped Austin, Sean, and Sid maybe in somewhere. Um, to do this stuff because like i said i don't know why they wouldn't fix austin popping the door open it just it felt like they were it felt chaotic in life but yeah i mean the november 8th show has everybody there except brent's not there but i don't think he's i I don't know he's not in this so yeah i mean him looking on backstage do we think that was they probably take that that night yeah yeah so uh, the eleven nine at Rosemont, but I don't think. I mean, that just didn't look like. Wow, that Milwaukee. Now that might be that right. Milwaukee. It's three a three thousand seat arena. That mm-hmm. that may that may be it because it's Austin versus Montoya. Sid's on that show. Michaels is on that show. So maybe that. I don't know. All right. Any thoughts on that segment? I mean, promo was fine for yeah. a for a final final hype. Okay, it was good. All right, match of the night. Uh, I went with the opening tag. Yeah, I did too. Moment, I went with Sid's promo. Moment of the night, I went with Sid's promo as well. Okay, MVP Austin. I went as Austin. Yeah. Uh, you have any notes on commentary? No, just the one on the uh, the Hona Karana. I right. thought that was interesting. No shots fired. No debuts. Well, I mean, match of the decades, the shots fired, but. Uh, I guess, yeah. Um, it's definitely a shot fire. <laughs> uh, no road, no uh, protocol, obviously. No dropped angles. Um, so, overall, I went 6 out of 10. I thought, 
yeah, not a ton to sink, sink your teeth into. I think it's fine though that they did this as a go home in between the Walton and this. Like, I think it would have been tough to have a go home Survivor Series be built around that that we saw last week. So I think we needed a more proper, just kind of hard sell week. And I think they did a good job hyping Survivor Series on the show. Like they talked about it nonstop. They ran down every match. We had a little build for all the big matches. I thought the opening tag was fine. So I, I was focused. So this went by quick. I thought it was, again, I think it's, you know, is it the best ep- episode of wrestling TV ever? No, but I think we're still light years ahead of where the fuck we were with raw. <laughs> so um, we're making gains at least and, and inching toward something more consumable. Five and a half. Um, Mostly replacement level. I I mean, I just think right now, like, they're kind of being bailed out by Steve Austin. Yeah. That's, that's sort of what I felt with this. Like, he wasn't on the show, and this wasn't even, like, his peak stuff. But if he wasn't on the show, like, I'd probably give it a 4.5, right. maybe a But five. he is on the show, and, and to that's their credit. That's why he gets yeah. a 5 and a 5. So, I yeah. mean, they're they're utilizing him now. Right. But Yeah, to their credit, they're leaning in on it, and they know he's... You can tell they know he's the best thing because he's all over the fucking show. Hopefully they keep that after Survivor Series. We'll see. They need to keep that up. Momentum. Yeah, he is for sure. Yeah, I know the the night after for sure he's back on. So (laughs) I I think they know by this point. Um, And I think we'll start, you know, I think they'll get Brett back on too. So that'll help. Uh, All right, let's get to our combo awards. uh, Best show, I think we both agreed Nitro. Yep. Both agreed, Mysterio, Cyclope, Cyclope, yeah. Cyclope for the best <laughs> Cyclope. match. Cyclope, yeah. Uh, best segment. Um, I know we both went since promo, but I would take either Nitro moment over that. I'm fine going with the Outsiders. I like okay. that enough to say um, that part. So, yep. uh, Outsiders, Harass, Larry and Tony. Uh, better commentary, Nitro? Yeah. Okay. Uh, ratings winner Nitro. Star of the night. We're going to Austin or Outsiders? Uh, I mean, I actually think I'd go Outsiders here. Yeah, I, I'm okay I thought with that. they were very good. Um, yeah, so I'll give a little bit of a spill on the ratings. Um, Dave has a good bit. Uh, let me just read it here. So uh, Nitro ended up doing a 3.5 rating, 5.2 share, opposed to Raw doing a 2.5 rating, 3.6 share. In the head-to-head hour, Nitro did a 3.0, then it did a 4.0 for the second unopposed hour. Although it's still in 0.5 lead in that first hour, it's 3.0 and Raw's 2.5. That's the closest margin in the head-to-head hour in several weeks, which leads credence to the belief that the one-hour earlier time slot is a competitive advantage for WWF as opposed to going head-to-head in the second hour Mm -hmm. when Nitro has had an hour jump on them. Titan is actually getting a three-minute jump by starting at 7.57. That jump probably held the first 15 minutes being dead even at 2.7. At that point, WCW continually grew and held a solid lead for the rest of the show while WWF dropped for the next half hour before they got back with a 2.7 at the finish. Nitro had one strong ratings jump, a 2.9 to a 3.3 during the Rey Mysterio match, and a second strong jump, 3.2 to 3.9, right at the 9 p.m. hour. Nitro peaked with a 4.4 for the Piper video and Hogan interview. So still, I mean, that's clearly getting the biggest ratings, uh, even at right at the end of the show. 
in the head-to-head hour, Raw devastated. Now, this I think this is interesting when he gets into the demographics. So, yeah. in the in the head-to-head hour, Raw devastated Nitro with kids by a 66 to 34 margin. So the idea that parents would keep kids from watching Raw because of the gun angle actually, if anything, worked big time in reverse. When it came to teenagers, Raw dominated with a 70 to 30 mark, also much larger than usual. When it came to div- Adults, Nitro held a 61 to 39 edge, and uh, they had an edge, huge edge in women, 18 to 34, a group they usually trail in. Nitro beat up Raw in men, 18 to 34, had a decent edge in 35 to 54 men, slight edge in women, 35 to 54, and a gigantic edge in men and women, both 55 plus, so... You're seeing that in the demographics that like kids and teenagers are still kind of clinging to raw and Mm -hmm. the rest of the demos are heavily swayed towards nitro. But still, yeah, I mean, 3.5 to 2.5 for overall rating, pretty, pretty sizable advantage. Yep. Yep. Well, we'll see if they continue to find any way to maybe at least improve the quality, even if there's a lag. Ratings wise, so I mean it's it's better than it's been. I mean, there's that, like yep. you said, even if it's Austin driving it. Uh, I think we can put faith in the fact that we have Austin, oh. we have Mankind, and we have Bret Hart returning. Maybe a change in vibe from Sean. You know, Wikipedia has actually has Nitro to three point seven. They must have got a bump. They must have just had the overnight numbers. Three point seven is really good. 3.7 is going to be the highest they have. Uh, so 3.7 is the highest rating Nitro's had since the 916 Nitro. Right. And it's the highest they'll have until the January 20th Nitro. So. Such a random one for them to tune into. It's not like yep. it's coming off the pay-per-view or anything like that. So yep. it's weird. All right. Uh, so our next episode will be back in two weeks. Chad, we'll be talking Survivor Series 1996. That'll be an interesting one to dive into, having kind of talked about the build now. And we'll see if Brett and Austin delivers and holds up. We'll see how Sid and Sean go. We'll see all the new faces. We'll talk about that. Uh, and then a month from today, we'll be back with uh, the Go Home. Yep, four, go Home. Four, three, and the, the Night After Survivor Series. So a couple big episodes coming up. Yep, sure. All right, until then, smell the napalm. Continue to check out everything at the North-South Connection Podcast Network. We appreciate your support, and take care.
full on. Why do you think they call me horror? 